Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore thee profoundly. I offer thee the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, present in all the tabernacles of the world in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifferences whereby he is offended. And through the infinite merits of his most sacred heart and the immaculate heart of Mary, I beg of thee the conversion of poor sinners. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Yesterday, I mentioned the story about Ivan Provorov, who was the uh, hockey player who refused to put on the gay hockey jersey uh, because he had to abide by what he believes and his religion. Well, guess what? His jersey is sold out at all the venues that sell hockey uh, jerseys. Uh, so let that be a lesson. You know, the public speaks in profound ways, sometimes with their wallets, and they have let uh, America know they're behind this guy. So, good for them. Uh, today, let's pray in a special way for uh, the Holy Father, Pope Benedict. I'm sorry, Pope Francis. I have Benedict on the brain. Pope Francis, uh, for whatever that God wants to do with him, that uh, the graces would be there to fulfill all of the intentions in the heart of Our Lady with regard to the Church, through the Pope. Uh, that would be a wonderful thing to add to your prayer list today. All right, I mentioned to you yesterday about this little tiny book, 45-page book, called The Wonders of the Holy Name. It's by Father Paul O'Sullivan. It was written in 1946, I believe, or 1945, and then published in 46. Um and it has all sorts of approvals from various uh, cardinals and uh, papal nuncios and whatnot. Uh, so it's it's a wonderful book. And this book, uh, it says it's a secret, basically, that no, very few people know the power behind the name of Jesus. And uh, what the author says is, uh, he says, Dear friend, read this booklet slowly and with attention. Not once, but many times, and you will thank God all the rest of your life. It will give you much happiness. It will enable you to obtain from God wonderful graces and blessings. It teaches the wonders of the holy name of Jesus, which few Christians understand. The frequent repetition of this divine name will save you from much suffering and great dangers. The world is now threatened with the direst calamities. Each one of us can do much to save himself from the impending evils and we can do much to help the world, the Church, and our Holy Father, the Pope, simply by repeating frequently, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Well, that's how the book begins. That's just the beginning. There's, there's just a wealth of information in here, uh, as long with some history about uh, how the world has been saved by uh, this holy name. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, so you must understand that to God and in the scriptures, names matter. They have meaning. And they're, they're never a mere uh, 
happenstance. People weren't given names because they sounded nice or because their parents were naming them after a celebrity or because their Aunt Joni suggested it. No, names carried weight and character and were often tied to the person's destiny. And we know at least of two people who were named by God himself, St. John the Baptist and Jesus. So that's why throughout the, the scriptures, when God was about to do something new with a person, he would often change their name. Do you remember uh, Cephas becomes Peter the Rock? Um, Simon, I mean, Simon becomes Cephas, Peter the Rock. Uh, who else? There was somebody else I was just thinking of. Um, Abram becomes Abraham. Uh, so God changes names. Uh, Saul becomes Paul. Uh, to fulfill the mission they've been given. So, very important. Um, Jacob became Israel. Uh, here's just another one. So, all throughout the Bible, we find that God switching names around or assigning names before they're born uh, because he's switching up identities or purposes tied to their role in his kingdom. Um, and you should know, you know, sometimes... There's just a lot of strange names being given, particularly by the famous and rich. You know, naming your kid Apple or North or uh, uh, Dweezil. What good is that doing the child except to draw attention to it? Uh, when you could be naming them after a saint who would be an intercessor for their whole life. And, uh, and did you know that uh, n names that have the, the E-L in them, such as my own, Daniel... Daniel means uh, Dan is ju uh, judge and L is God. So God is my judge is for Daniel. Um, if you think of the archangels, uh, their names have uh, particular uh, gravity. Uh, Michael, who is like unto God. Uh, Raphael, the medicine of God. Gabriel, um, God is my, uh, my strength, I believe. Uh, so these are just a few. But when we look to the name of Jesus, this is different than all the other names. This is different than all the other names. Um, because the name of Jesus has a power with it. So let me give you a few scripture quotes about the name of Jesus. In Acts 4.12, it says, There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Philippians 2.10, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. 1 Corinthians 6.11, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 14.13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. And then we know uh, how the apostles uh, were amazed by the power of of. Uh, his name with the demons. So in Luke 10, 17, uh, we hear, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And that, by the way, is how we do exorcisms today, just the way the apostles were doing it. Uh, we say, in the name of Jesus, I bind you, Satan, and I cast you off this person. Um, it's by his name. There's power. It's not just a word. There's power behind this name. Um, uh, and did you know that you know Joshua really is 
means Jesus in a way. Yeshua is really what Jesus would have been called in Hebrew. So Joshua is a form of that name. And Joshua, who was, of course, the one who brought the Egyptians, not the Egyptians, the Hebrews into the promised land, just as Jesus brought uh, all peoples across the threshold of death into his promised land, the kingdom of God, for those who follow him. You know, not everybody's going to follow him, sadly. So this is, uh, this is why we would say this name is so important. This is why we do not take the Lord's name in vain. That's why that's such a great sin. Because there's so much power in this name, to uh, say it in a moment of anger or rage or uh, to damn somebody would be a terrible, terrible thing. And you're going to bring condemnation down on yourself. Uh, because this is a name unlike no other. So, what? how should we be using the name? You should be used out of reverence and love for him. But if you're having a moment in your day where you're f- tired or fearful or frustrated, in love, call upon the name of Jesus. And the easiest way to do that is to imagine him standing before you and his those amazing eyes of compassion are looking at you. And just say the name Jesus. And you can repeat it many times throughout the day. And uh, not only does it make you more of an awareness of his presence, but the demons hate this. They don't like us calling on him. If there was one thing they'd want to do, it would be shut down uh, every person on calling on Jesus. Because Jesus is the one that crushed them. And is going to, in the end, banish them to hell forever. So, very important to... Speak his name with love and reverence. Paul tells us that uh, Jesus was given this name because of his leaving heaven, coming to earth, and dying on the cross. He was humble, he was obedient, and he loved us. And in showing us this greater love, he was given the name above any other name. So, for God, the person's name represents who they are, their essence and their character. Now, imagine being named Apple. That's your essence. It makes no sense. Jesus is the bread of life, the light of the world, the good shepherd, the resurrection, the life, the light, the truth, the way. Um, he is the full embodiment of God and the full embodiment of the love that is God. And the name Jesus conveys all these meanings within it. So this it's power-packed. Do you see that, how it's power-packed? So This would be the simplest and easiest way to pray, is to just sit and contemplate the Lord at any moment in his life and just call out his name, Jesus. And then you can add to it, I love you, I need you, uh, I adore you, whatever you want to say to him. But And speak it out loud. You know, in times, uh, there is more of a power by uh, the formation of the word with the mouth, you know, to actually proclaim it. Proclaim the name. So what does his name accomplish, you might ask? Well, by allowing us to use the power that's in his name, we can have uh, access to all that Jesus has done and all that he's gained. It's like being given a royal robe and the family ring, you know? Like the Pope has a, a a papal ring when he's made the Pope and the minute he dies it's taken and crushed uh, but when he has that ring it signifies he is the uh, the ambassador 
uh, for Christ on earth. So when we proclaim the name of Jesus, we're telling the world we've been given uh, a degree of his authority. You know, if we're truly his followers. Uh, and when we come across obstacles, we can speak the name of Jesus and it's like an all-access uh, pass getting us by the guards or the gatekeepers. Uh, Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection demolish the powers of this world and then he passes this power to us, uh, particularly the baptized, who want to say this name. Now, does that mean somebody who's not baptized would not have this power? I would say no. If somebody is not baptized but wants to be a disciple of Jesus, but has not yet been baptized, I think if they had a true love in their heart for Christ, by saying that name Jesus would probably bring them to the point of becoming a child of God. I think that the name itself, if they really had a desire, uh, would open the doors to becoming a baptized child of God. But that's just my own theory. That's not church teaching. Uh, Per se, how do we apply this name of Jesus to our lives? So you know how a policeman uses a badge to let people know he's somebody that has the authority. Uh, we can do the same thing with the name of Jesus. We can simply, uh, when things need to be, maybe you're having a very busy day. And, and you feel like it, there's too much on your plate today, well, pause and say, Jesus, I need you in this moment to rearrange my day in a way that accomplishes everything you want me to do. And then give me the grace to move forward by the power of your name, Jesus. That would be a wonderful way, way to start your day. So, um, very easy to use his name, but it, like I said, it's not to be thrown around irreverently. So there's some precautions we have to be aware of. When we declare the name of Jesus, we're associating ourselves to Jesus, to the person of Jesus. And we're saying we have, uh, in, in a way we're saying we have the same mindset as him. We're seeking to glorify the Father by what we're requesting. And we're declaring that we have a relationship with the one who holds this name. Now, do you remember uh, the sons of Sceva in the Acts of the Apostles? Uh, let me get to that point in the Bible. The sons of Sceva. So, uh, there were seven of them, and they were, they were Jewish, and their father was a high priest. Uh, and they tried to drive out demons uh, the way that uh, the apostles were doing it. So that in the name of Jesus, right? Uh, what happened was uh, the demons replied to these sons of Sceva. Uh, Jesus I know and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Well, there's a, a, that's the best warning of all. If you're throwing around the name of Jesus and you don't really know who Jesus is, the demons uh, will have a field day with you. So that's 
probably the best reason to not use his name in vain. Uh, what else does the name uh, assume when we use it? it? It would assume that we have a relationship with him, and that's what those sons of Sceva did not have. They didn't have a relationship with Jesus, so they were using his name in vain. Now, their intention was a good one. This wasn't a bad thing to want to rid somebody of demons. And yet still, because we know the, you can't use the Lord's name in vain. Now, when they, they would have known that, their father being a high priest, they would have known that commandment because that was given to them from Moses, from God to Moses to the Jews. But they were thinking the name of the Lord was uh, Yahweh or Adonai. They weren't thinking Jesus was the Lord. And so they, they weren't realizing probably they were taking the Lord's name in vain because they were Jews and they hadn't yet come into the reality of who Jesus really is. This is truly God. Uh, the graciousness of God and the power in his name will allow for some forms of uh, even miracles to take place. You know, Jesus says when it all comes down to the last day, he expects to have known you using the name of Jesus without knowing his heart is careless and an offense to what he came for. When he said to his uh, his friends, his best friends, go out and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, he wanted to bring all people into his family. So when you're in somebody's family, you would know who the family is, right? Uh, but sadly today, Many people don't know who the Lord is, and, and that's a problem. Uh, so let me go now to the book and, and speak to you about um, this particular chapter. It's called The World in Danger Saved by the Holy Name. Now remember, this was written in the mid-40s. Uh, I would say the world is in more danger today than it was then because less people are practicing faith uh, more people are practicing witchcraft and Satanism. And um, even the ones who proclaim they're Catholic, we know that 70 to 80% of them don't come to church on a regular basis, so that's a problem. And uh, and the advent of social media, that's probably the worst uh, scourge on man in the, the last century or two. Because it's just such it's a, it's such a vehicle for evil. It's such a vehicle for um, all the capital sins, and, and so they didn't have that in the forties. Well, this is what uh, the chapter says. So in twelve seventy four, there were many great evils that threatened the world, and the church was assailed by uh, very strong enemies from within and without. <clears throat> and there was such a great danger that the pope during that time it was Pope Gregory the tenth called a council of bishops in Lyon, France, to determine the best means of having society, of saving society from the ruin uh, that was menacing it. So there were many means proposed, and the Pope and bishops uh, decided that the easiest and most efficacious of all was frequent repetition of the holy name of Jesus. So the Holy Father, Pope Gregory X, uh, he begged the bishops of, of the world, so the whole world, and their priests to call upon the name of Jesus and to urge the people 
in these parishes, all the Catholics of the world, to place all their confidence in this all-powerful name, repeating it constantly with boundless trust. There's the critical line, with boundless trust. And the Pope entrusted the Dominicans especially with this very noble task of preaching the wonders of the Holy Name in every country, and this was a work they accomplished with unbounded zeal. So the Dominicans took up the banner of this effort and apparently were incredibly um, successful in doing so. But they weren't the only ones. The Franciscans also uh, were, were doing the same thing. St. Bernardine of Siena, St. Leonard of Port Maurice, he's a powerhouse of a preacher, uh, were ardent apostles for the name of Jesus. And their efforts were crowned with success so that the enemies of the church were overthrown and the dangers that threatened society disappeared and peace once more reigned supreme. Isn't this amazing? Why, why on earth are we not doing this today? Let's all pray that Pope Francis would convene uh, all, or, or send out a, um, a request of all the bishops of the world to go back to this policy of promoting the name of Jesus to bring about world peace. It worked once. Why wouldn't it work again? I don't know. There's just such a wealth in our history. Um, and it's isn't it wonderful that you can discover something new almost every day? I think I learn something every day about our faith that I didn't know prior. Um, like today's St. Sebastian. I don't, I don't want to... Uh, digress, but I'm going to, because he's quite an interesting man. You know, this, uh, he was living in Milan, that's where he was educated, uh, way, way back in like the third century, but there was no persecutions going on in Milan. So Sebastian decided to pick himself up and join the Roman army and be in service to the Christians who were being persecuted in uh, by the Romans. And um, in doing so, he puts himself right square in the middle of the greatest Catholic persecution uh, at that point in history. Uh, some, uh, I think some between three and 4,000 people, Catholics, were murdered by the Emperor Diocletian. Well, guess what? Sebastian is such a good soldier that he gets promoted to the Praetorian Guard, which is the guard, the high like special forces, uh, Navy SEAL level, protectors of the emperor Diocletian. This is the one who's killing all the Catholics. Well, while he's in this Praetorian Guard, there's these brothers who were twins, Marcus and Marcellian. And they're in prison. Why are they in prison? Because they refuse to make a public sacrifice to the Roman gods. Why? Because they believe in the one true God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, so they won't do it. So they're in prison. They were also deacons of the church. And uh, while they were in prison, their parents visit them and beg them to renounce Christianity because they don't want to see their their, their boys murdered. Martyred, I should say. Um, while the parents are there, Sebastian is so bold in his uh, preaching that he convinces the parents to convert to Christianity. And he also converted many other people, including the local prefect, well, of course, this brings to light that he's a Catholic, and the emperor demands that he be killed by having him tied to a stake on the training field 
uh, for the archers and used uh, for target practice. This is why he's always depicted with all these arrows in him. He was said to, to look like a pincushion or a sea urchin. He was so full of arrows. But he, he actually didn't die, even though that's how he's always painted and, and uh, you see that in statues. He was actually still alive and he was rescued and brought back, uh, nursed back to health by a holy woman named uh, Irene. And what does he do? He marches back to Diocletian to uh, scold him for being such a terrible uh, leader and for killing all the Christians. And of course, Diocletian didn't like that, and so he finally did have him killed. Uh, but he, in 680, was his uh, his name, the name Sebastian, was called upon to be an intercessor during this very horrible plague that was killing so many. And uh, he was uh, apparently victorious in ending the plague during that period when they called upon his intercession. So, again, where the name is so important. Um, that was just one tiny story from the, the, the apparel of the world in 1274 uh, from this wonderful book, I'm going to go back into this next week at some point, and then I'm also going to get back to you about Our Lady of Good Success, because that's an amazing story that everyone must know about. Have a wonderful weekend. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Father Dan signing off. 